Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched The Prince of Tides. Prince of Tides, Tom Wingo, played by Nick Nolte, lives in South Carolina with his three kids and a failing marriage. He's suddenly called to New York City to take care of his twin sister. He's asked to speak with his sister's psychiatrist, Dr. Lowenstein, played by Barbara Streisand, and to provide family memories and insights that might help the recovery. Along the way, the two grow closer to each other. Screenplay by Pat Conroy and Becky Johnston, directed by Barbara Streisand, and released on December 25th, 1991. So before we get into the uh, the meat of the discussion and asking the, the, the general questions, we do want to give a content warning, trigger warning, for some of the subjects we'll be discussing here, because um, this movie deals with the subjects of suicide, domestic violence, sexual assault. Yeah. Very heavy, very heavy topics are covered in this. But have you seen Prince of Tides before? Yes, I saw this movie once, and I thought this movie was Barbara Streisand's other movie, which came out in the 90s, The Mirror Has Two Faces, and I... Now I don't even know what The Mirror Has Two Faces is about, because (laughs) I thought this was that. But the only scenes that I remember from this movie were like the two major triggering scenes in this movie. Like I don't remember the reasoning behind it all and I don't remember the love story. All I remembered were those two scenes because those two scenes traumatized me as a little girl. Which is understandable as someone who's, what, like 11 years old at the time? Well, probably 12, 12, because we didn't see this in the theater. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm not going to to see this on Christmas Day. Yeah. Like, this is a heavy movie to watch on Christmas Day. It's such a weird choice to have it released on Christmas Day. But, Uh, yeah, I was probably like 12 or 13. Whenever it was released on cable, it was probably on HBO. Probably. And, um, yeah, I remember watching this with my mom because I think she my mom likes you know romantic movies and just looking at the cover of this you think it's gonna be like Bridges of Madison County or something like that yeah like I I have not seen this movie before but obviously I'm familiar with movie cover boxes from working at a video store and so I just assumed this was just a generic bland dramatic romantic picture and it's not <laughs> at all. I mean, the romance portion doesn't really even come into play until I don't the know, last like, the middle of the third act minutes, almost. Yeah, maybe it's not even that. I feel like it's later than that. 
Like, it, it, it's obviously sort of slowly building, but they keep their respectful distance the entire time because everyone's, like, actually, like, adults in this yeah, movie for the first well, time. They're both married, so, I mean, they're respecting each other's boundaries. Plus, he, Tom is there just to help out his sister. He's helping Lowenstein to help his sister. Right. So it's not like he was expecting to be falling in love with someone <laughs> or having an affair. Yeah, I mean, he's also very dejected and and uh, not in the right headspace himself which you know i think we'll probably yeah. get into a bit so i mean but everything is just handled extremely adult oriented but yeah looking at the box cover you're like oh this is just yeah two, cause two people getting together falling in love falling in love yeah. and that's really not what this is at all yeah because it's nick nolte and barbara streisand naked in bed right and um like on the bottom you see the uh like the, the shipping guess, yeah, yeah the shoreline and like a ship like a shrimp boat because that's what tom's father was doing when as a job when yeah. he was growing up yeah well and, i guess he and, was and the brother too took it yeah. over but we don't see that in the movie this yeah this this movie really surprised me uh in in a good way i thought i was expecting very little from it going in I just knew that it was popular. It had that prestige of, you know, being a sort of a box office hit and having the, the award nominations, but I wasn't expecting a whole lot. And I was pleasantly surprised, sort of like Fried Green Tomatoes, where I had no experience with that one and I loved it. Like, this is the same type of thing, mm-hmm. you know? And plus having Barbara Streisand, like her name to it, it was probably I mean, some it, sort of prestige. I don't know. It, it, it adds prestige, but it also adds like this weird little... I don't know it's her name is weirdly divisive right like there's a lot of people who just don't like her just because she's her i guess maybe it's like jealousy or whatever you know because she's she's not only yeah she's not only a singer but she's now directing but she you know act she like singing acting directing and people are probably like you know at that time people are like stick to one lane right it's kind of like Back then, it's like when movie stars were doing TV shows, that was like a no-no. It was like a demotion, sort of, yeah, in a and, way. And there's always that stigma of people who are who are singer, singers who come into the acting realm, but that's sort of almost always Yeah, but she's happened. done, like, Broadway and stuff, so it's like singing slash acting. So, I mean, she knows how to act. And has won awards for yeah. all of it. I understand, so, like... I get the hatred because it's jealousy. Yeah, and also, like, sometimes if it's just oversaturated, you hear this name and you know this person for, like, decades and you just kind of, like, get sick of their personality always just being there. Like, you want new celebrities sometimes. Like, I'm not saying that's that's my personal experience with Barbara Streisand because it's not, but um, I can understand that that does exist in some yeah. cases. You get oversaturated and you just right, like, all right, then you have enough, the Barbara... of, enough of that person, I want someone else. Right, but then you have the Barbara Streisand stands who are like, yes, I will follow her to the yeah. ends of the earth. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, she did a good job directing and acting in this. It, absolutely. Like, great. Yeah, like, I, I, I think that Nick Nolte carries the movie, but... Barbara Streisand is, like, the perfect support. Yeah. Um, like, her her performance is much more understated than, you know, Nolte. 
Here's what I'll say. I, I think it's over the top when it needs to be because he's he is acting for his family. He's not acting right. for the camera. He's like trying to pretend like he has these emotions that he actually doesn't. Yeah, he has to be. I mean, what we'll learn throughout this movie is that he now has to be the man of the family. His brother, like growing up, he had an abusive father. And his brother, Luke, was kind of like the protector. He stood... Luke stood up to the father, and then the father kind of had, like, a rapport with him. Like, the father never really picked on Luke at all, because Luke would retaliate. Yeah. But he would... The father would pick on Tom, and then his sister, Savannah... And then the mother, he was, like, horrible, too. And then we see in, like, certain flashbacks about, even in the beginning, where whenever the parent, that's the first scene we see, is when it's Tom, Savannah, and Luke, when they're younger, they hear the parents yelling at each other. They run out onto the dock, because they live in a, like, on an island in South Carolina. I don't know where exactly, but, like, on an yeah. island. Like, their own separate kind of island. And uh, they run on the dock and just jump off into the water. And they kind of just uh, float underwater for as long as they can to be free of that world. Like, to be in another world. <laughs> yeah, they're all holding hands underwater in a mm-hmm. circle. And, like, just trying to escape. Because you can't hear anything under there. You're in a, yeah, yeah that was their time. escape. Because, I mean, I don't know where else they would go. Um, but, yeah, it, Tom has a lot of issues that he doesn't want to deal with. And we joined the movie two years after his oldest brother Luke's passing. He's living in South Carolina with his three kids and his wife, who is extremely unhappy. Ever since the situation with Luke happened, uh, he has been just completely emotionally distant and she makes comments like well this is the first time you touched me in a couple years um when he puts his arm around her to make some random snide comment right he's just using like comedy or just be trying to be funny in any sort of uncomfortable situation yeah just all the deflection techniques and you know he's lost his job as well because he's just he he doesn't have he doesn't have that fallback anymore, so no. he feels completely lost. They don't really explain much in the movie, but no. it's, like, Savannah, he and Savannah, like, once their older brother died, it's like the world crash. And Tom, I mean, he, like, they don't really show this, but when you see him talking to his wife, you know, he kind of just went into a depression and... Like, he lost his job. He was a teacher and a football coach. And he hasn't been doing anything for those two years, including, like, being a good husband, I guess, to his wife. I mean, he's not mean or anything. He's just, like, very distant. Yeah. He's and, just not available for Yeah, her. he's just not there. Like, he's not checked in to the family. Right. <laughs> and, to the kids, he tries the best he can. But for right. the wife, he, he stops faking it. Mm-hmm. And that's when... So she's sick of that. Right. uh, The mother, Lila, visits and says that, you know, 
his twin sister, Savannah, she lives in New York, and she tried to kill herself. And she's, like, in a self-induced coma. Well, not self-induced. Well, medically no, not induced. Medically yeah. induced, not <laughs> self. <laughs> like, how do you do that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's in a medically induced coma because of what she tried to do herself. Yeah, because and, they think that she's going to be a danger. Is her current psychiatrist and wants more details because Savannah doesn't have a lot of her childhood memories at no. all. And Tom apparently does and and they all know that Tom is usually like her memory bank. And so Lowenstein's just looking for anything that might help with the, the recovery and, and understanding like why is this happening? Why does she feel this way? Let's get to the root of the issue because she literally doesn't know mm-hmm. everything. So that's that's where their conversations start to, to take place. Is It's not Tom getting his own psychiatric treatment on purpose. Right. It's with the intention of helping his sister not ever feel like she needs to commit suicide again. Yeah. Because this is not the first time. And, um, I mean, Lila does not want to do this because Lila her shell, herself... Um, she has her own, it's like a generational trauma of where the mom also suppresses her feelings and she's like, I'm not going to dwell on the past and I don't want to talk about it because that was the past. And she's kind of like ashamed and embarrassed of how her life was before. So she just doesn't want to talk about it to Lowenstein. And so she's telling Tom, you gotta go in my place, basically. Yeah, she gives a very weak excuse and basically says, I can't go because I have to plan this birthday party for my husband. Which is right. not Tom's dad, it's no. a remarry. Uh, she married a, into a wealthy family in that in that same town that they, they all lived in. in. Yeah. Someone named Newberry. And, uh, you know, so she's she's above all this. She doesn't have the time, or maybe like secretly, Newberry would throw a freaking fit if she tried yeah, to. Yeah, or leave. she's. Or it's also what? like this is too hard on me, and yeah. I don't want to. And deal I don't with care it. about you enough, so you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like, a lot of manipulation going on, and we don't know the full extent. So you can see how the mo- like how Tom is being like. I guess emotionally abused by his mother. Yeah, that's the idea. It's, is like the the dad was physically abusive. The mom she was, was emotionally, more like emotionally manipulative and abusive. yeah, yeah. And, and, just, and it took him a long time to realize that right. That was going and on. she's just kind of like you know now that Luke is gone, you have to step up and be like the man of the family. Yeah. And so go to New York and talk to Lewinstein. And he's kind of, it's kind of like this class thing too, like North versus South. Like the, he's going, he's going to New York and he's like, oh, the big city, blah. I'm not into that whole hustle and bustle. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of like talking shit about New York. So when he gets to his sister's apartment, like, you can even see when he opens the door, there's, like, a blood stain on her floor that hasn't really been cleaned up well. And, I mean, he's going through her mail and stuff like that. Just, I mean, he, he's going to be staying there indefinitely, just until 
Savannah finally feels better and to help Lowenstein out. And he's also very reluctant to talk about his past with Lowenstein because he himself, I don't think he's even been to a psychiatrist ever in his life. No, I, I would be very, very surprised because, you know, he says in one of the first meetings, like, this is, you know, the way I deal with these feelings is we try to find the humor and whatever. Right, yeah. Right? Just, so, just... And move on. That's kind of like their family function. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he even says, like, this is like the whole trope where it's like, I'm too good to be seen by a psychiatrist. Like, I'm not crazy, really, so why should I be speaking to one? I don't think they did that, though, did they? I mean, I feel like Tom knew that he wasn't supposed to be under the microscope in that way. No, but he... So, like, he he was still closed off, but I don't think he... There was definitely situations where, like, look, I don't have to tell you this because I'm not your client. Right, yeah, okay. So, I guess from that standpoint, yeah. Um, but generally speaking, it's not like, oh, I don't need the help. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not the one hurting here. I don't, Mm. like, I don't think that really happened too much, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of deep relationships. There's a lot of deep characterization in here. And it's tough to sort of cover all of that in this, in this limited time that we have for the podcast. But I mean, like, everybody has their own issues in some way, shape, or form, and, even you know the more minor characters go through a journey even if it's largely off screen like tom's wife you know tom's wife is is you know having all these emotional issues and we learn shortly after he gets into new york city that she is having an affair with one of her work colleagues Mm -hmm. she's a doctor and and she's having an affair with one of the other doctors and so she's trying to break up with him over the phone um, with Tom over the phone, and he's just accepting of it. He's like, okay, well, I mean, if that's what you need to be happy, then that's that's what we're gonna do, I guess. But I still, you know, uh, yeah, I still need like, to be available I... for the kids and whatnot. So, yeah, at that point, he wanted to come back because one of his daughter's birthday was, birthdays was coming up, and I think he, the daughter, was like, if you miss it, I'm gonna be extremely disappointed. Yeah. So he was like, I'm gonna come down. And, um, but she was kind of like, don't even bother. I mean, for and the that's birthday, when they yeah, this... she said, but yeah. Otherwise... Yeah, for the birthday, yeah, but she's like, don't even bother coming down otherwise, because right. we don't really need you. And then she's like, I don't really need you. And then that's when she reveals she's having an affair. And Yeah, it's like, she she just needs the time, I guess. Like, yeah. To really figure things out and whatnot, and yeah. I don't know. But there's, there's a lot going on. Uh, we have the the relationship with, with Eddie, who is the the neighbor, who found Savannah. Yeah, they, the the apartment building she lives in is kind of like it seems like everyone takes care of each other, including Eddie. Yeah, it's easier to and go he's down cool the hall, with that. Actually. I mean, they're, like she she kind of finds them to be a family member. I mean, there's just like all these subplots in these movies or in this movie yeah uh but i mean obviously the 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 main thing is going to be tom and lowenstein and we're saying lowenstein because that's what tom calls her she does have a first name it is susan it's established very early on 
um, one that they're in a professional sort of relationship of helping the sister and so like, why do you need to, you know she's like sort of deflecting the flirting that he's right. possibly putting onto her it's like you don't need to know my first name type of a thing and then eventually she it just becomes that. a thing where he prefers to call her Lowenstein and she likes that and she likes that too even when they get romantically involved he has that little line that says well maybe I should start calling you Susan and she's like no I really like when you call me Lowenstein I like mm. the way you say it so uh, that's that's how we are referring to her here too, um, but that is a very interesting dynamic that they have, because they obviously spend a lot of time in that psychiatrist office talking about things. There's a lot of contention, especially early on, in that he isn't even allowed to see his sister for like a couple of the first days. Mm, I think uh, and, yeah, only and, she is. Yeah, and Who's... so there's like a little bit of banter and back and forth and there's occasionally weird transitions where they're just straight up arguing with each other and then the next line is yeah let's go out to lunch right it's not like a <laughs> yeah there's never like long lasting anger but yeah because there's it's, a point where she like throws something at him doesn't she yeah there's there's this one part it's i mean he, he every time oh, he... the the renata helper and stuff the alter ego. Yeah, this is like this movie has like a subplot of where he's now stay. It doesn't. I don't know how long it's been. He's staying. He's now at uh, Savannah's apartment, but he's going through her mail. He sees this different name, Helper. Yeah, Ren- and Renata Helper. Renata Helper on her bills and stuff. And that's when he confronts Lowenstein, like, who is this person? Because, I mean, I haven't heard of her. Yeah. But then there was another thing when he was going to go down to his daughter's birthday party and he, and he was going to find a present for her. He goes to, like, a, a bookstore and he sees the name Renata Halpern and it's a children's book called, like, The Southern Way. And he's kind of glancing through it and he realizes that this is his story growing up. Yeah. So that's when he confronts Lowenstein, like, how, how does this Halpern lady know my life? Yeah. And what's her relationship with Savannah? But then it's just revealed that Savannah is Renata. That's just her pen name. But for those specific children's stories because savannah is also a poet where she does poetry other under her own name savannah wingo yeah she's a published poet under her own name um and she created this alter ego for i guess a couple different reasons i guess for her to just get her like she has all these like suppressed memories so it's like her like letting it all out but she doesn't want to do it under her real name yeah i mean part of it is because of the major secret that we'll get to in a bit right Mm -hmm. like she doesn't want to let anyone know that she has any affiliation with any of this because you know this is meant to be a secret that they kept until they're all gone until uh, yeah to the grave that no one should ever know Mm -hmm. so part of the difficulty is that lowenstein can't necessarily give away certain details about savannah to tom even because of the client yeah 
uh, privileges. Attorney, yeah, attorney yeah. clients. It's so, like patient doctor relationship. But yeah. they have this argument that results in Lowenstein throwing a dictionary at Tom mm-hmm. and hitting him in the face, and now he's all bloodied and stuff. And and uh, and then they go out to dinner afterwards. Right. She's too. like, okay, well, let's. Sh- are, are you hungry? Yeah. But, I mean, after they go out to dinner, this is another subplot where she's like, come to my place, and she introduces Tom to her son. I mean, he's a teenager. This is Bernard Woodruff. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's being an asshole to Tom. Super typical teenager behavior. I yes. think if there's any character in this movie that is close to two-dimensional, it's Bernard. Just because... He is just the typical asshole teenager for a yeah, long time. Yeah. And then he becomes, oh, actually, I'm going to be nice because I like you now after spending Well, I think that's time. with any, like, when yeah, you're a I'm teenager. Yeah, I'm just saying there isn't as much nuance with Bernard. Okay. That's well, all. I mean, when you meet someone, especially because, I mean, you they find out that Lowenstein is still married. She's married to a famous concert violinist, Herbert Woodruff. So, if you're a teenage boy and you see your mom come in with a different man, you're going right. to be like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to be an asshole. <laughs> Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm but... not saying it's not motivated. Oh, okay. I'm just saying his character doesn't have much depth. Yeah. Even though he has quite a few scenes, there's not a lot of depth of his character the way there is with yeah, like Nolte or Lowenstein a lot of or these... Blythe Danner's Wing- Sally Wingo, the wife. Yeah, a lot of these subplots are kind of like introduced and then resolved so quickly i guess like 15 minutes of like each subplot thing it's like the help the we're not a helper and thing it's like oh now i know who that is on to now there's this her her son so bernard he's like he is also a violinist like his father is like making him be a violinist but in reality he secretly wants to play football and Lowenstein knows that Tom was a football coach, so, you know, wanted to introduce each other. And, um, I mean, Bernard is, like, a dick to Tom, which, fine. But, I mean, the next day they meet up, and Tom is, like, showing tough love, I guess. He's like, you're gonna call, like, you know, Bernard comes late, and Tom's like, you're late. And, you know, you're going to call me sir. You're going to do this. Okay, now let's learn football. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you see, like, this montage of, you know, Bernard getting better at football. Like, whatever. Doing random moves and stuff in the park. Like, it's always just, like, you know, running side to side and huddling. (laughs) And then, like, actually throwing and catching footballs. Yeah. It's pretty minor training, but I guess it's yeah. meant to be effective. Um, I don't know. As someone who's never played or, or trained in that sport, I, I think know, just it doesn't seem like teaching him how to throw it and then catch it properly was the thing. I don't yeah, know. but with no teammates to also work with, right. it's, it makes it um, limited in scope. Yeah. Anyway, it's. It is what it is. I mean, like you said, a lot of those things resolve relatively quickly, but they're also interwoven and they're interconnected in in a very 
mm. specific way, um, which I think is is great. Like the Renata Halpern thing is a very quick reveal, but it has a great impact into what we know of her, uh, what we know of Savannah, and, and how things play out. The stuff with the the son is really, I think, meant to play with the audience a little bit more than it is to really drive the plot forward like we do have the scene at the end where uh tom has to send bernard off at the train station this is well after yeah yeah this is this is later in the movie but i think honestly a lot of the time that we spend with tom and bernard is to try to build our affection for tom and bernard as a father son type of a duo like we want to root for them mm. you know i think that's more the intention is to get uh get our hopes up i guess as it were like yeah. oh yeah this could work they are getting along look at that that's fun <laughs> you know i think that like that might be part of it this gets i mean at that point tom and lowenstein are getting closer like not romantically yet no, but they're they getting just they're getting moments. friendlier and closer. He's starting to open up. His like walls are coming down. Um, he he wants to. He's revealing as much as he can, and uh, that's when Lowenstein. I get, well, Savannah. Does, she wakes up and she just says the word Collinwold. Yeah, at some point. Because Lowenstein asks Tom, "What's Collinwold?" And then that's he kind of. He's like, I, I don't know. I don't know yeah, he's like, I don't know, but I mean, he knows, obviously, but when he goes down, he goes down to visit South Carolina again, because that's when he goes to his mother, and he's like, I want to tell Lowenstein about Collinwald. Yeah, I think there's some emotional bonding that happens with, with Lowenstein that needs to take place first. I, you know, there's, there's quite a few things that lead up to his decision to reveal the truth about Collinwald. Um, but I mean, they, before we get into that, that whole big can of worms, I, I, I do want to sort of talk about their relationship a bit more and like how they're, how they are getting along slowly by going out to dinner and like having these little conversations and having these moments and like having this, like they're walking after Eddie invites them to a party and they meet at this party and then they, you know, they're. Tom is walking her home and says, oh, you know, you have a really great smile. Do you know that? And, like, he, like, puts her in front of this window to show her her own smile. And they have, like, this little bonding moment and all these little tiny little things that happen. Um, Yeah, she herself is going through not a great marriage. Yeah, like, that's also around the time when we learn that she's married to the the famous concert musician because he sees... Herbert come out of her office and he and Tom just assumes that Herbert is a client Mm -hmm. and then later on when they're walking down the street they see oh there's your client Herbert and and she's like oh no no that's actually my my husband husband. that's when yeah we are revealed that she's married like we didn't really know until that point she understandably takes a lot longer to open up on the personal side to Tom but, I mean, she doesn't have to because she's... No, she doesn't she's... have to, nor should she, like... But, I mean, she's clearly unhappy. It just takes right. us longer to, to really realize the, the extent of it because, you know, 
it's not her place to say, I guess, is it no, as opposed I to mean, Tom's? Yeah, he's the one that's supposed to be revealing the family trauma and secrets or whatever for Lowenstein to help her client Savannah. But what I also really like about this movie is that in that, he isn't also saying, oh yeah, and by the way, my marriage is failing. Right? No, like he, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't say that at all because it's... It never becomes like a personal therapy session in no. that way with Lowenstein, which I really appreciate because it's so easy to turn it into that. And there's maybe like a couple of throwaway lines or what seem like throwaway lines where he mentions, oh yeah, my wife, whatever, is distant or having an affair or whatever. Like he does mention that, but it never becomes the main focal point of a conversation. No, because I mean, she just wants to know about anything about her his family's past yeah not about him personally really yeah the, the main point is always with but, savannah but they do i mean after those sessions are done i mean i don't know they're not really sessions but whatever they're meetings yeah they're they're still timed sessions because she has her normal work clients it's right like this is her only job so yeah they sometimes after it's that, like yeah your time up. is up you know time to go but but they do hang out socially at, at this point now here and there not all the time but you know it happens sometimes like when she throws a book at him and <laughs> invites to dinner right for, yeah and for compensation like with the at the party at, at the neighbor's party eddie's party yeah where that's when they meet up and she's like and tom is like oh i didn't even know you would be here because i know that eddie and savannah i guess are f also friendly with Lowenstein. Yeah, evidently so Savannah had brought Lowenstein or, or had invited, I don't know, for some reason they all know each other. Yeah, Savannah yeah. had introduced Eddie to Lowenstein. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so, so yeah. yeah, she was at that party. And, um, yeah, they end up leaving together. They're just walking and talking. But now this time, it's not really him revealing his family stuff. Now he's just talking about himself and wanting to get to know her. Yeah, he, he slowly inserts more flirty language when they're not in the office setting occasionally right. in the office he does but mostly it's just like narration and the camera giving the glances like you know panning up her legs and stuff like that that type of thing yeah happens. and um, then like that i don't know he never goes like super like he's not coming on to her or anything yeah he's just <laughs> i guess he's just he's a flirtatious person and she's like yeah whatever i'm gonna play this off Right. Or humor him, but, you know... Yeah, because... Tell him I'm married, but... She also knows that he's deflecting all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tom is constantly moving around. He's constantly fidgeting. He's constantly, you know, trying to do something other than face reality or face his emotions. And so yeah. I think that's also part of what Lowenstein understands is... Like, yeah, this flirting is just... That's just not even, like, almost like a nervous tick to him. Like, it's just word garbage that's coming out of his mouth so he doesn't have to face the, the real question. That's probably what she's thinking for quite a while until later on in the movie. Plus, she has her own relationship. <laughs> so it doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. But yeah, sorry. Uh, I think, like I said, there's a lot of complexities, a lot of relationships still going on here. And at some point, she also gets a hold, or they get a hold of home movies? I don't remember where they came from. Did Savannah have Savannah, them? Probably. So, like she, he might have. But found I think them, this is further Savannah. after 
This is, I think, when they already started their relationship? Or is this pre? Pre. Okay. It's pre. It's pre Colinwald <laughs> reveal. Okay. And, um, but it's because they're talking about the home life because their dad, Henry, yes. was a shrimping boat captain who always aspired to be more. And so he always had these weird little things. Yeah, side jobs. And one of them was that he had a gas station where he bought a tiger to use as like a roadside attraction to yeah, bring people to this gas station. Tiger, yeah. And there's a whole movie of that. Um, so the it's a really interesting sequence because it's kind of short. You have a nice home video segment that's that's filmed for this movie. And then you also have the dual point of showing that the dad is, you know, disappointed with his failures and taking it out on his family. Mm-hmm. And two it gives another excuse to show Luke and his courage because that's what he starts talking about is like how Luke was courageous when such and such went wrong or, you know, when all these other things happened. But that also led to Tom talking about how Luke got killed. And I think when he's able to finally open up about what happened with Luke and then going home and okay, and, and having like, all of I these different conversations with Lowenstein over time and having these revealing conversations that's when he's able to kind of like talk about Colinwald because he's talk- Luke was killed by the government. Yeah, and they don't really talk about Luke's death much in the movie, but like the main thing that was in the book was that um, Lila, the mother, <laughs> and Henry, the father, they divorced. And I think the father, Henry, got arrested so the mother yeah that was not in the movie no this is all in the book but i was was, sorry i was honestly surprised to see henry still alive they show yeah because with with the grandkids with tom's children yeah because i was confused because i was like is this like a flashback like when they were younger but no this is current day yeah and, like, his father is just kind of, like, still a shrimper, but, like, that's all he does and whatever. But they, you even see, like, Tom and Henry. Like, Henry is teaching Tom's children how to, you know, like, gut the shrimp mm-hmm. and whatever. Like, he's very loving to his granddaughters, but when he, Henry, and Tom are alone, it's, like, tension. Yeah, Tom is, like, trying to say something serious, and, and Henry's just like, hey, did you see that the Braves won? Right, yeah, they, they just, like, like, they don't talk about their feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what, this is what the older generation just, like, they just beat their <laughs> emotions down and just talk about something else. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, so, Luke, so, Lila and... Henry, they divorced. Henry goes to jail. So Lila now, um, after the divorce, has um, custody of the land that they live on. And this is where we get to... We haven't even gotten to much about Newbury. Mr. Newbury. I don't know his first name. Yeah, I mean, but there's not tons to say about him. He's just like the rich guy who basically owns the town. Yeah, but there's like a flashback where... Tom gets slapped in the face by Newberry. And I yeah, was he's, he's threatened by this older man 
um, because he was bull- Tom was bullying his kid N- and Newbury's he's like, hey, child, yeah. Like, don't you ever do that again? And if you ever tell anybody that I hit you, then I'm going to ruin your entire family. Right, because the Wingo family—they're kind of like so that's the poor family that's of this now his town. Stepdad. But, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's like this big class struggle within that too. Yeah. yeah so like, my son is not going to get beaten up by a Wingo. And meanwhile, like, this, this is Lila, the mother. I mean, this is when Tom was, like, 13. Lila takes Tom over because, you know, she's like, okay, go apologize to mm-hmm. to Newbury. But, you know, Newbury takes Tom into, like, his study. And then Lila, you know, she's in his house. She's like, oh, he's got oriental rugs and, you know, like, fine right. china. She's, like, enamored with, like, his lifestyle because, you know... They live in, like, this small little home near the water, like, secluded, mostly. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad-sized home at all, No, honestly. it's just, like, it's not mansion-esque. And they also and, don't have money, because right at the beginning, like, one of the first things in narration is that the dad won the house in a horseshoe game. Mm. So, like, they they didn't even buy that house. They happened to luck into it. Right. And that was probably the, the last time that Henry was successful. Yeah, so she's just, you know, enamored with his, yeah. th- like, how rich he is. Status yeah, and wealth and status. Newberry slaps Tom in the f- face, and that's where he's like, do not threaten my, or do not be, like, hit my son ever again. Yeah. Or I will, and don't tell anyone that I hit you. Because I will ruin your family. and But that was like the end of that flashback. And then now we're present day where old elder Tom goes to what is now that same house where his mom lives. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because she is now married to Mr. Newbury. And then now they have this, you know, stepfather, stepson relationship. It's not really strange. It's just kind of like... Hello, sir. Hello, Tom. Whatever. I mean, he doesn't treat his family like family, except for Savannah. Right? Mm, I mean... Because like, I mean, he calls his mom Lila. Well, because I think... He's mad at Lila. Yeah. And so I think I mean, like, it, so he, he knows that... So he has no that... reason to, to do anything different with Newberry. He's not going to pretend like, oh, yeah, I'm going to welcome you with open arms. Like, they know well, the situation. Well, of course so not. He... No. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean... I, I think he calls Lila Lila because, I mean, it pisses her off, and I think he's just doing that as like a little jab i mean he, yeah he doesn't he doesn't like his mom at right all Th- they don't really like each other but yeah in, in terms of luke though um yes yeah, so luke in the book lilac has custody of that land and she ends up selling it to newbury this is before even getting married to him and then Newberry wants to build, like, factories and whatever, like, knock down their house and rebuild in that land. And that really pisses Luke off because that's, like, he's attached to that land and whatever. But, old, like, when Luke is older, he tries to sabotage that, the plants that are going to be built. And... I guess he was an ex-Navy SEAL who served in the Vietnam War, and then, like, he comes back. He de- he decides to fight for his land in the city that they're using by using guerrilla tactics and destroying, like, the bridges and the building equipment 
that's going to be built on his land. And then Newberry had like an FBI agent come and try and find him. And then the FBI like quote unquote accidentally kills Luke because I think they were trying to just capture him. Mm -hmm. But then they end up killing Luke. So, I mean, even this relationship, I mean, yeah, this would make it hard on Tom and Savannah because, like, Newberry is somewhat responsible for his brother's death. His new stepfather. Yeah. In, in terms of the movie, because you just... Oh, yeah, in terms of the movie, right? but, like, so, they don't show that at all in the movie, but that's, like, right, what well, happens. Yeah, what, what they explain in the movie is still enough to get you by. Right. Um, so you don't have that full, full backstory, but basically what you understand is that Luke was rebelling against you know, this, this land expansion and, and, and this, this takeover. And he basically became like a, had like this personal vendetta, vendetta yeah. and that he was killed by the government for it. So, it, you know, you get the tragic side of things and you understand that Luke still died trying to protect whatever he thought was valuable in, in whatever his personal crusade was. You don't really get the full, full extent of, of what that was though. Anyway, there's there's all of that that's happening and and so having that conversation and again like we've talked about the flashbacks a little bit there's this you know luke is just the protector right like he we have this mm -hmm. flashback of we're talking about the birthday before we have the the flashback to the the birthday from when they were kids tom and savannah and them and the dad doesn't want to participate he's watching the tv and it gets into a big old fight and like a physical altercation and then at some point Luke comes in with the gun and shoots the TV and he's like, TV's broken, Dad, you gotta fucking, you know, join the party. Yeah, celebrate your children's birthday. And then, you know, but you see him, the father, doing that. He's not, he doesn't go to Luke and, like, kick Luke's ass. Yeah. He, it's he like, respects Luke he for respects standing him. up yeah. to him. And that's why he never really had respect for Tom because Tom never did that. Right. And so now Luke is gone. The yes. protector is gone. He has nobody. He like his support system, his fallback is just missing. And now Savannah is also She's... basically, you know, gone, right? So without without fully being there. Right. So um, I mean, yeah, he wants he he only has Savannah left because I mean, he doesn't really care about his mom yeah so he's he's having these conversations with Lowenstein and, and having these realizations and we see all this stuff with the flashbacks and the revelations and all this kind of thing and so when she goes when he goes back to, to South Carolina he's already made up his mind like he he understands he goes home seizes the mom with the rich new husband and realizes that he needs to tell the truth about Colin Wall. and that's when I mean Lila is like why would you want to bring any thing like that up like that was a horrible thing that happened and I moved on from it so why don't you type of thing right and and we all agreed as a family to tell nobody yeah and I'm gonna continue to do that so you should do that too but I mean Tom's like nope I'm gonna do it basically I don't know yeah and, and you know we've talked a little bit about Barbara Streisand and her prestige i do think that this is like one of those key scenes that shows her aptitude for directing mm -hmm. as well um you know she got quote-unquote snubbed for 
Best Director Oscar, like how can you have all of these different award nominations but not recognize the director within that? That happens quite a bit, as we mm-hmm. see. Um, but I mean, like very simple things, like this scene, or seemingly simple things, where you have Tom talking to his mom, and yet it's basically a, a shot reverse shot, where Tom is standing up and looking at the mom who's on the couch. So you think that there would be that power dynamic, but over Tom's shoulder is a giant painting of the mother looking over him and like bearing right. down on it's him. Like very... So she still does have the full power. It's like that it's mm. it's a very subtle thing, but the it's extremely effective. Him, yeah. The subtext that's put into the frames. And I think that, you know, Streisand is able to do that quite a bit and she's able to take a lot of these scenes in very close locations like the office and find different ways to do it or use the rain reflections to, to show different emotions or whatever when we're when she's showing the, having his, uh, her smile shown at her, have the warped vision of it on, in, in the, the top third as well. You know, there's little touches in there. Plus just managing the conversations too, because this movie, we haven't really talked about the pacing of it. It's extremely fast paced. It's very frantic. It's a two and a half hour movie, but it's like nonstop talking. Right, it's revealing a whole lot of stuff. It's like I don't know, kind of like a whiplash of information. Yeah, but you're not like to breathe. But it's good pacing. You're not. You're not like what? Huh? And then it's 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 not over. It's not overwhelming. It blends into each other well. But it is like you have to pay attention, and it's going to be. It's going to keep going, Um, but it never feels like it's too much to handle. And that's also very difficult to do, too. And, you know, obviously, being able to elicit these strong performances on top of all that, and those strong performances, I think, really culminate with this Conwald reveal. Because you have this story, and we go into another flashback of of what happened. And Conwald refers to a nearby prison in South Carolina. And there were three inmates who escaped and happened upon their house or specifically targeted the the Wingo house. The Wingo house, yeah. I don't know if it's revealed in the book, but not in the, in the book movie. it's a little different. Okay. So this is this is where the, the trigger warning stuff really kicks in again. Uh, these three prisoners come through at this point Savannah and Tom who are twins are fifteen years old um, and the mom is there the dad is not home, I mean, and he's, neither yeah, is Luke. Neither is Luke at this. I moment. mean, at this point, Luke is probably like eighteen, so maybe he's working. Right. And then you know the, the father. Dad is he's still shrimping, I think. Yeah, I think his dad. Li- yeah, the dad literally just shrimps from sun up to sundown, so he's probably like still out on his way home, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but so it's just the three of them, and it's. The flashback starts where they're all getting along. Lila is teaching Tom and Savannah, like, here, I'm going to show you how to dance. Yeah, so, so she there's puts, like this happy rock music in the background. Right. It's a happy moment with this family. And she's, you know, teaching Savannah and Tom some dance moves. And these three men just, like, barge in. I mean, they knock on the door. She looks. But they barge on in. Mm-hmm. And that's when, like, so we're, like, kind of in the movie. It's flashing from present day 
Tom explaining to Lowenstein and then going, and her asking questions, going, yeah, because yeah, it'll go, she'll be like, okay, and then what? And because he's kind of telling it slowly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wants to tell her, but he's, you know, like apprehensive too. Tom says, you know, there's three men. One of them took my mother into another room. She's getting assaulted by that man. Another one took my sister to another room, started assaulting her. And then that's when she was like, oh, so what were you doing? Like, were you going to go and get help? Mm -hmm. And then he doesn't say anything. And then she's like, well, what happened? Where was the third man? Yeah, he was, he's, he's basically saying, like, I, I don't know. Like, well, were you trying to, like, you know, did you try to help anybody? Did you try to, to run away? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. And, and Lowenstein's even saying, like, these are the responses of a small child, Tom. This is, this is mm-hmm. not a proper response here. What's going on? And, like, Nolte's performance is extremely strong in this moment because you can just see. Yeah. You can see the answers with like zero words even before the actual reveal that you pretty much know is coming yes um like you could you could tell before even Lowenstein was asking the questions this little because she she senses like what is what he's saying without really saying it (laughs) yeah she's just trying to get him to yeah and it's really hard again it's I think this is a testament to the performance I think it's really hard for us as an audience to tell if it's that Tom is remembering something that he also repressed about the situation, right, like, did because... he only remember the two and he forgot his own ordeal? Yeah, yeah Or yeah. was he really trying to hide it as much as possible? Because he's impossible. ashamed. Right. So it's so hard for us to know. Right. It could be like a mixture of all of that. Yeah. And um, so then, like, he just says, the third man was assaulting me. And... I, like, in his mind, he's just, like, you know, he feels ashamed and, like... Yeah, because, like, everyone's screaming for help. And everyone he is screaming. It. In the house, his mom is screaming for Tom. His sister's, like, Tom. So he... Tom is the only man in the house at that time. And then Tom himself couldn't defend himself and then defend his family. Yeah, because he but, was pinned down, too. Yeah, he was being pinned down, unfortunately. And in the window, Luke comes home, sees all this. He barges in, shoots the two men, the one that was assaulting Savannah and Tom. And then Lila was able to get off from the third man. Yeah, the third man, like, heard the gunshots turned around. Turn around. And then they kind of, like, smack him across the face. But then she stabs him in the back. Yeah. And then... All three men are dead. And Meanwhile, then, all the happy rock music is still happening. Yeah, in the background, it's like this... chaos. So you have all like it's such a like very pivotal traumatic scene yeah. with like this happy rock music in the back. Yeah. So they all kind of just look at each other stunned, but you know, Henry's coming home. So they all as a family are like, we're never going to speak about this, but we got to clean this shit up. Like the blood, whatever, clean this house up, get rid of the fucking bodies and then pretend that this never happened at all. Lowenstein is, you know, asking these questions like, okay, well what happened then? Yeah. Like, Like, did you go to the cops? What did you do? 
Yeah. It, so, I mean, but, but she's like, well, what happened when the cops came? And he's like, well, who said we told? We didn't tell anybody. Like, my dad didn't even know. Henry never found out because we, we cleaned up everything. We disposed of everything before he even came home. He ate dinner like nothing happened. Yes. And we all just sat there. And... Yeah, we they were all in stunned silence. But, I mean, also, during that time, Lila says something to Tom, like the t- 15-year-old Tom, that, you know, I, like, your brother Luke got these two and I got this guy. Like, what did you do? Right. So, I mean, which again, it's certainly understandable um, how terrible of a person <laughs> she is. Right, like I you mean, are the you were supposed to like your brother and your father are out, so you are the man of the house while they're out, and you didn't even do anything to like defend your sister and your mom. And so, it's really hard for her to see that, and, and it's hard for him to defend himself as that young kid who's been through this trauma. But I mean, like he she was the first one also... taken away, so she didn't see that anything was happening to him. Yeah. But that's not an excuse for the whole situation. Anyway, so that that's the Colin Wold incident that is meant to sort of, you know, it, it explains a lot. And again, here's Luke being the family savior. Okay, in the book... In they're visiting their grandmother that lives in Atlanta, and I think Colin Wall is a prison in Georgia, not South Carolina. Okay. But they, as children, they were confronted by these men in the woods at their grandmother's house. So it's like they followed, they escaped from prison and go to the Wingo home. These men, they weren't like three strangers. They were like three men that actually knew this family. Oh. And they came there for something. And also, a couple of days later is when Savannah tried to kill herself for the first time. I think the... the I mean, the... right after that's revealed, it's kind of like, that's when Lowenstein and Tom become, they're... They become a lot closer because Tom is like finally able to cry for yeah. the first time. You know, there's a big deal that happens in, in you know manhood conversations and psychiatrist conversations in these movies about like, well, we don't cry, we laugh and joke instead. Mm-hmm. And so like you can see him like finally being able to break down and cry, and she's able to comfort him. Like like there's really nothing you could have done. You can't blame yourself. All this you know understandable language there. Right, um, but and then, yeah, they're they're able to to continue to bond, and obviously he's still working with her Bernard. son. Yeah, um, that's when she. Okay, I don't know. Is this when they go to dinner? Because they go to a French restaurant. She orders in French, and he's like, "Oh, I really like what you're saying." That was after the the dictionary got thrown. Oh, okay. So that that's when they start to like sort of flirt, but she's like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah. Okay. I mean, the only thing I really show in my notes after this whole situation happens is he her sends party? Bernard off. No, that she still has her the party that that happens after Bernard gets sent off. Oh, okay, I thought Bernard was after that party. No, like Bernard after Bernard was gone, he wasn't at the party. Well, I mean, he doesn't really need to be there. I know, but it's oh, but... nighttime and he's a teenager. But, <laughs> but uh, so anyway, okay, yeah, like Tom sends the son Bernard off to violin school. Um, even though the dad is, we know for a fact, is in town. He's, he is a traveling concert musician, but he is currently in town. We see right. him confront Tom 
at the park about teaching the son football because he doesn't like it happening. Right. Um, but then, you know, you have the the fake father-son bonding moment between Tom and Bernard at the train station before he gets sent off. Uh, and then, yeah, there's the dinner party where... Yeah, th- th- that's Kermit when Bernard, Bernard even asshole. says, my dad doesn't like you. Yeah, which, I mean, makes sense. I mean, Herbert sees him as a threat. Uh-huh. And so, the, I mean, Herbert invites, I mean, Herbert and Lowenstein invite Tom over to this dinner party that they're having where they have a lot of intellectuals there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So Herbert does this. He's doing a performance, and he has, like, this other woman who they travel with. She's, like, the pianist, and he's the violinist. And they do a performance there. Then afterwards, Herbert is like, Oh, Tom, I even wrote you something. And he does some thing on his violin, like the Yankee Doodle Dandy, like, just to, like, get under his skin. Mm-hmm. But they all sit down for dinner, and then Herbert just keeps on making more jabs. Like, oh, like, Tom, like just calling Tom out. <laughs> and then... Yeah, he's just like, a he total does, asshole. Yeah, Not he's just to Tom, though. He is to other people, too. Yeah, he's just a fucking but asshole. mostly to Tom. Right. Trying to take him down a peg. Because and, he like, knows that, like... I mean, Tom and Susan, or Tom and Lowenstein, have not even hooked up yet. But he senses, like, you know... My wife is with this man. Like, they're always hanging out. Yeah, you're spending time. Meanwhile, we know that Herbert is messing around with the, the other... Yeah, the, the woman. The pianist. It, and, and that's what Susan says as well. That's what Lowenstein says. She's like, oh, yeah. I think he's having an affair with her. No, but she calls him out at the dinner table. Because yeah. Herbert is like, why did you bring... She, he makes this jab about Savannah, about his sister, about Tom's sister... Yeah, saying, also to Lowenstein, too, basically saying, oh, you are the, the psychiatrist of the stars. Yeah, Didn't he's you know like, that yeah, she he, represents... he tells the rest of the table, don't you know my wife? One of her clients is is um, Savannah Wingo, and then that kind of, like, pisses Tom off, too. And then he's like, why did you bring Tom to this dinner? And Lowenstein is like, why did you bring your fucking mistress to this dinner? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then that's kind of like, I don't know, it just escalates. But then to the point where Tom goes to the other room and takes Herbert's, like, million-dollar violin and threatens to, like, throw it off the high-rise balcony until he apologizes to Lowenstein. Yeah, and you see Herbert's concern about the monetary value of things rather than the actual personal relationships. But, I mean, he does do the apology, but... Um, yeah, Tom throws it up in the air, and then that's when Herbert, like, nervously, he's apologizing. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then, you know, Tom catches it, and he's like, whatever, I'm out of here. Yeah, and Lawson's like, take me with you. And that's, and then now their relationship, like, now... now we're into the love story part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they take it to the next level. Right. I don't know. Like, so now they're having this sexual relationship where, I mean, Tom takes Susan to, I mean, Savannah's place where he's staying. Yeah. And um, even, like, the next morning, Eddie comes in with breakfast and sees, you know, Susan and Tom, like, right after, I don't know, he just sees Susan coming out of the bedroom. He's like, oh, all right. Yeah, good for you, too. 
Um, you both needed that type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they go to, like, upstate New York into, like, this cabin, and, and they just sort they of... They, like, are, spend... I don't... Like, this is where... Kind of big old tryst. They have, like, a... I don't... I mean, at the end of the movie, it's... They said it's, like, these past six weeks, but... I mean, six weeks of, like, being in the affair, but... It could have been the entire... Or the entire... The entire time that they've known each other. I just feel like that was a short amount of time. But, yeah, they spend a romantic weekend together upstate at a, like, cabin. And that's, they just get closer. They, I mean, they're bonding even more. They're just, like, outside talking about just deep shit. And that's when even Tom is, like, you know, commenting again, like, her smile. Like, you know, when I first met you, you just seemed like a sad lady. Right, yeah. <laughs> and he was a sad man, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like, through this unfortunate events, like, they've helped each other in a way. Like, they re- the recovery of his sister, and then yeah. helping Tom with his emotional and generational trauma, and then, like, even Susan with her shitty marriage like they just have this beautiful weekend together and that's when you know he says should I call you Susan and she's like no I like when you call me Lowenstein but then then it goes to Tom speaking to Sally his wife again and she wants to continue their relationship like yeah she wants him back she wants him back i mean in a a previous phone call she said that the guy she was having an affair with wants to marry her and that's where she was like what are we doing like i'm questioning my life and he's like questioning her his life and then after this last phone call with each other between Tom and Sally, Tom is just like, yeah, I need to go back to my wife. I still love her, and I have to be, like, the father that my father never was, and, like, the husband my father never was. And this, this is, like, another, just, like, a beautiful scene where he just ends up at Lowenstein's house, like, he's across the street waiting for her Mm -hmm. to come out of her house Mm -hmm. and then when she comes out of her house sees him across the street she just instantly knows yeah that their relationship yeah is ending there you could see from his reaction and then she gives the appropriate counter reaction before crossing over to talk to him because we we hear sally uh, or we we know that he has the phone call with sally but we don't know the full conversation it mm-hmm. then jumps to the next scene of, you know, him waiting outside. And Lowenstein had previously said, well, what happens if she wants you back? Um, you know, this is only going to last until she wants you back. And, and Tom sort of dismissed that as a possibility. Mm-hmm. And this is what I was talking about a little bit earlier about how Sally is having her own sort of character development and arc behind the scenes off camera because you have this big relationship that she's 
developing with this guy Jake and then decides against it because of various different factors and you know you can sense the growth even if you don't actually take part in it yeah. yourself um, but yeah it is extremely beautiful in a, in a heartbreaking way a moment when Lowenstein realizes what's going on yeah, and he tells Lowenstein that he doesn't love his wife more. It's just longer. Yeah. It, and, and they have like this like last little... Heartbreaking goodbye. They have this last little um, get-together at the Rainbow Room where they're dancing alone. I don't know if someone rented all, all out. But it was, it was a callback to like a dream that he said he had about mm -hmm. them. And so they're able to be there with a, you know, just a, a soul musician as they have that little moment but yeah then he goes back to his life and now he is i don't want to say fixed but he has a purpose again mm -hmm. he found himself through this entire process obviously at this you know at on this the point, side savannah is also okay yes yeah, savannah <laughs> is now healed and then he is there is a point where they're just walking and talking and you know bonding more and he even says, maybe I'll move to New York. And she's like, oh, taking the Southern boy up to New yeah. York, whatever. It's like, I thought you would never say anything like that because you're such a Southern man or whatever. Right. But um, no, he's, he's back. He's back to teaching. He's back to coaching. He's back to having um, a fulfilling Happy relationship with his entire family. With his Well, with his children. wife and kids, which is what he basically considers his entire family. Lowenstein's just, you know, back to... We don't really fully know, honestly. We don't know, but, like, in the book, she does get a divorce from Herbert. So let's let's quickly go through the awards and the cast and crew as, as quickly as we can here. On the awards front, this was a pretty big movie. Oscar nominated for Best Score, Art Direction, Cinematography, Screenplay, Best Supporting Actress for... Kate Nelligan, who played Lila Wingo, the mom. Um, also Best Actor nomination for Nick Nolte, and also Best Picture. Again, not Best Director. However, at the Golden Globes, it did win uh, Nick Nolte an acting award, and Barbara Streisand was nominated for directing, and it was nominated for Best Picture. Barbara Streisand is the director, and Susan Lowenstein in this. Oscar winner for Funny Girl for Acting, Star is Born for Best Original Song, Nominated for The Way We Were for Acting. Also nominated for Mirror Has Two Faces. Uh, Emmy Award winner for My Name is Barbara, Barbara the Concert, Timeless, Live in Concert. Golden Globe winner for Funny Girl, Star is Born, and also directing Yentl. Nominated for Hello Dolly, Owl and the Pussycat, The Way We Were, Funny Lady, Nuts, Mirror Has Two Faces. And she's also the 2000 uh, winner of the Cecil B. DeMille Award. She has multiple Grammys, not going to outline all of that stuff. She also is Tony-nominated Tony for I Can Get It For You Wholesale, Funny Girl, and she is the winner of the Star of the Decade Award at the Tonys. On the other side of things, on the Razzies, she has a nomination for All Night Long, Yentl, Little Fockers, The Guilt Trip, and at the Stinkers Awards, she has a win for the main event. Uh, and weirdly enough, she has not directed a feature since Mirror Has Two Faces in 1995. Pat Conroy as the novelist and screenwriter. He's also done the novels Water is Wide, The Great Santini, and Lords of Discipline. 
Becky Johnston is the co-writer. She's done Under the Cherry Moon, Seven Years in Tibet, Arthur Newman, and more recently House of Gucci. We've talked about Nick Nolte before in Cape Fear, our very first episode. Blythe Danner played Sally Wingo, the wife. Golden Globe and Emmy nominated for Back When We Were Grownups. Emmy winner two times over for Huff. Also nominated for We Were the Mulvaney's and Will and Grace. Tony Award winner for Butterflies Are Free. Nominated for Betrayal, Streetcar, and Follies. Uh, in 1991, she's also in the movie Never Forget. She's also been in movies 1776, Future World, The Great Santini, Brighton Beach Memoirs, and Meet the Parents. Kate Nelligan as Lila Wingo Newberry, Emmy nominated for Avonlea, BAFTA Award winner for Frankie and Johnny from 1991, also nominated for Measure for Measure and Forgive Our Foolish Ways. She has four Tony nominations. Um, she's also in 1991's Shadows of Fog along with Frankie and Johnny. She's been in the 1979 Dracula, uh, Without a Trace, Fatal Instinct, Up Close and Personal, and Cider House Rules. Herbert Woodruff was played by Yerun Krabi. I'm probably mispronouncing that a little bit. He's in the 1991 movies Till There Was You, Sahara, Sandwich, Kafka, and also Robin Hood, the non-Prince of Thieves version. Uh, he also worked on Diary of Anne Frank, Jumping Jack Flash, No Mercy, The Punisher, and The Fugitive. Savannah Wingo is played by Melinda Dillon, Oscar nominated for Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Absence of Malice, Golden Globe nominated for Bound for Glory, Tony nominated for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and then aside from that, she's in fan favorites like Christmas Story, Harry and the Hendersons, and Magnolia. Uh, Eddie was the, the, the neighbor played by George Carlin, so we've seen him before in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And then we have Henry Wingo, was played by Brad Sullivan, who is in Sting, Slapshot, Untouchables, the Jerky Boys movie, and in 1991 he's in a few different movies, Guilty by Suspicion, True Colors, In the Line of Duty, uh, Manhunt in the Dakotas, The Gambler Returns, and lastly we have Bernard Woodruff, the son, was played by Barbara Streisand's real-life son, Jason Gould, who she shares with Elliot. Uh, he has not done a whole lot of acting, but he has been in Say Anything, Listen to Me, and Subterfuge. On to true crime and pop culture. This movie was released on December 25th, 1991, which was a Wednesday. It was also the same release date as Grand Canyon. Happy, happy, to, happy holidays. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm assuming there were other movies, but these are like two heavy movies that were released on this day. Yeah. Something that we've been talking about throughout our podcasts a little bit here and there with just the movies even up until recently with Star Trek 6 was uh, Mikhail Gorbachev formally resigns as president of the USSR in a televised speech which this is the end of the Cold War and I'm just going to talk about the ending of the Cold War because <laughs> the Cold War started in 1947 which was right after world war ii it's a geopolitical it was the tension between the u.s and the soviet union and their respective allies that lasted about 45 years but the last i guess this is considered the dissolution of the soviet union it started in November of 1988 and went all the way up until December 26, 1991. But 
it was the process began growing with unrest with the other countries, various constituent, their national republics developing incessant political and legislative conflict, mainly with Gorbachev. And this is something that I didn't even know anything about. In August of 1991, the communist military elites tried to overthrow Gorbachev and stop the fa- his failing reforms in a coup, but they failed. And in September of 1991, the government in Moscow started to lose most of their influence. And in December of December 8th of 1991 is when they signed an accord called the Blobiza Accord, which is an agreement declaring that the USSR, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, had effectively ceased to exist and establish the CIS, which is Commonwealth of Independent States, and its place as a successor. The documentation was signed by the new up-and-coming Russian president, Boris Yeltsin, the UK- Ukrainian president, and then the Belarusian minister, prime minister, and then chairman. And throughout, I mean, throughout this month of December, it was just like soon the republic started to become independent. It was Kazakhstan being one of the last. And then on December... 25th, 1991, Gorbachev resigned and turned over his presidential powers, including control of the nuclear launch codes, to the new president, Boris Yeltsin, who he would become the first president of Russia. And that evening, their Soviet flag, the red one with the hammer and sickle, was lowered from the Kremlin and it was replaced with the new Russian flag, which is, you know, what it is now, which is the white, blue, red tricolor flag yeah. in a line. And the following day, the Soviet of the Republics formally dissolved the Union. The events of the dissolution resulted in 15 constituent republics gaining full independence, which marked the major conclusion of the revolutions of 1989, which is this disillusionment and the end of the Cold War. And then I just have something else that I found on Variety, and that as of May 4th, 2022, it looks like there will be a Prince of Tide series that's in development for Apple Plus or Apple TV. Okay. And it is now being executive produced by Tate Taylor, and Tate Taylor is known for writing and directing The Help. He directed Get On Up and Ma. <laughs> and I haven't seen any of those. Oh, I've seen The Help. The Help is based off of a book. Yeah. But, um, Get On Up and Ma, I have not. But those are just, like, three different movies. Right. (laughs) And, um, 
he recently created a Fox drama series called Filthy Rich. I feel like I've heard I that. Don't, I don't really know it either, no. But it doesn't say anything else. And Apple says they're not going to comment on any projects that are in full development. Or so. It, and I haven't seen anything since this article. And it's been like a year and a half. I mean, but, there was a strike in there too. So there may have been some slowing of the motions, but... I mean, right. this this would work as a miniseries. There's a lot there. Yeah, there's, like, each episode could be, like, a, a different side story, for sure. And, yeah, I would like to see it if it does. It doesn't say anything about who, like, who's been casted or anything like that. Or... That would be critical, because performances <laughs> are key to this movie. Right, and I would, I mean, I don't know, I don't see anything about Barbara Streisand being a part of this, or if she wants to or not, but, I mean, it's not exactly like her, she didn't write the book, but... Right, yeah. Like, they don't need her guidance, but it would just be interesting. But yeah, she just fought for the movie rights to adapt it. But, yeah, I would 100% see this if it's ever going to be made. We'll go into rankings and ratings then. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put The Prince of Tides? I'm gonna give this movie a four. A four. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost right there with you again. Um, we rarely disagree with these things. Uh, on my zero to four star it's scale, like I'm gonna very say... very few. I, I think know. There's... Sort of like, more of like the, the mid-range comedies of the era where you grew up with them and I didn't that's when we tend to sort of split paths a bit like don't tell mom the babysitter's dad is yeah whereas I still like the movie I just didn't think it was like super well made but anyway this one was well made (laughs) it was three and a half out of four stars on my scale um every movie is worth watching once would you watch it again no, even though as, it's a as good the mini series. If that happens, if then the sure. mini, yeah, if because I would like to see how it's broken down into like a ten to twelve episode thing. Like they can add yeah, a lot more. Part, whatever it is, yeah. And uh, it would be cool to see like more flashbacks or something like that. And um, like I yeah. think you would get more into the the Wingo family than what was done in the movie because you only have like two and a half hours to get all this information in yeah even with two and a half hours there's still some stuff that could be filled in i think you know we didn't really say this but i think it would have been interesting to have a couple more check-ins with savannah here and there throughout the movie you know she he is there to visit her sometimes but it doesn't happen all that often and she almost becomes a side character even though she's the impetus to this whole thing Right, um, or even anything about Luke, because Luke was just, like, a major part of their family. Yeah, he's, he's, um, I mean, I also kind of understand it, though, without getting too much into the movie discussion, because, like, he is almost like this angelic figure, mm-hmm. and so you don't want to show too much of him as an adult. You want to still have that mystique behind him of being this kid. So I get that, too, if that, if that was the intention. Anyway, but there's still a lot that's that's here. Would I watch it again? I, I'm I'm with you. I don't think I would watch the movie version again. It's one of those ones that's, it's it's. Um, it's like a one and it's, done. It it's not too disturbing, but it has like it's, it's not too real. It's just I don't know. It. it it's like I don't too many emotions. Yeah. No, it's like too many emotions all at once. I don't know how to really explain it. Like it's a great movie, but it's like. 
I don't know if I want to be put through seeing yeah, something. When would you be in the mood to watch this again when you already know it happens? Yes. That's that's the thing. And I don't know. Like, if you want to see, like, a love story, this isn't exactly that. No. But um, it, it is absolutely... It's great. <laughs> it's, it's definitely worth watching. It, it is a very good movie. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be very unlikely that we're going to want to watch it again. Just because of the subject matter, I think. But if you out there do want to watch The Prince of Tides as of this recording in February 2024, it's available on digital, rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube, just search 1991. Movie Rewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the fullest movies, along with show notes, and more. Next week, we're switching gears entirely. We're talking about Deathstalker 4, Matchup Titans. That's on VHS or DVD. We will see you then.